down, peeps. Welcome to episode 90 of Calling All Crap Beer. And geez, do I got a doozy for you today. So, oh. <clears throat> so first off, let's get into this brew I'm drinking right here. So, this thing is called 1,400 pounds of peach. It's a sour ale with peach by Trippin' Animals. It's exactly what it sounds like. 6% ABV, tons of peach, pulpy is all get out. Not sweet, which is something I'm actually quite pleased about. That's actually a conversation we had on the last episode with King Fox, where we talked about call a sour beer a sour beer and then you make it sweet. It's like weird. Makes no friggin' sense. So <clears throat> um, I want to get into a week in brews. So let's talk about that real quick. So this last week has been pretty damn good, man. Had quite a few really phenomenal beers um, on the horizon and it's just, I don't think I've reviewed too many, um, considering the fact that we are, um, we had the on-site, um, yeah, we had the on-site, uh, trip, trip and animals episode last time, and I don't even think, I might have talked about the cruise, I don't remember, but, um, Anyway, I'm gonna get into a couple of them that were absolutely fantastic. So we did, uh, so last Friday I hit, um, sorry, this beer is so damn good. Um, I rated this one a 4.0 on untapped. Just really fantastic. Um, and, uh, it's just something I'm enjoying big time. So it, uh, thick and peachy keen, love it. Tons of, like I said, just like pulpy, sour like it should be. You know, one of the things that we talked about with the team from King Fox was how you can't label a sour beer a sour unless it's sour, right? So in this particular aspect, it is sour. There's no sweetness, it's tart and peachy delicious really loving it so i'm gonna get into some shy town brewers well a shy town brew and then i'll get into my visit to unbranded so my buddy andrew samyak sent me a six pack from shy town as a congratulatory pack of brews we're finishing up 75 hard and the first one i cracked of that package was called sweet home and um sweet home's a new england style single ipa six and a half percent it was like mildly complex dank and resinous mild citrus with a tender note of stone fruit easy drinker loved it rated a 3.8 out of four you guys know with me um they called it piney no like it wasn't piney to me at all like i don't know maybe the resiny resinous flavor I got was what they were called piney but it didn't taste piney at all to me um but I did enjoy it and you guys know me that anything under a 4.0 is like a 
not a banger, but not a but something I would drink again, so to speak. And this one like wasn't a banger, but it was definitely something I would drink again. Um, then that Friday, I hit up Unbranded Brewing for lunch and went in with the expectation of having a sandwich and a beer. A sandwich and a beer. Yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> so first beer I had when I was there was I swear someone did the research it's an India Pale Lager from uh, Unbranded, 8.2%, uh, hoppy, dank, resinous, slight melon flavor, smooth, and hella easy drinking, absolutely delicious, 4.3 out of 5. You hit Unbranded, <clears throat> and you want to try something that's a little bit different than what you're used to, I highly suggest trying it. It was absolutely fantastic. Next one was Salt and Lime Lager. You guys have heard me talk about it before, 5.5% American Lager little salty, more limey than anything. Um, just a general easy drinking lager. I probably would have normally not ordered this, but I got it because I ordered a lunch special that came with a beer and they only give you like the five kind of base beers to pick from. So I got this one, 3.5 out of five on untapped. It's just a regular everyday easy drinking beer. Biggie's Batido de Stranada. Unbranded sour, 6.2% ABV. Rated this a 3.9 out of five on untapped. Light strawberry and banana flavor, but it's there. Creamy, smooth, and light overall. The only thing that was missing that would have made this sour a little bit better would have been more fruit. And it just, it was just really light for me. It almost tasted like, it almost tasted like a Kool-Aid that just didn't have enough powder in it, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? And it wasn't bad. I mean, it was good. It's obviously I rated the 3.9. It's right there on the cusp. But it could have been so much better if it would have just been a little bit more fruit and it would have had a little bit overall uh, flavor, a little bit more flavor profile. Next one was Give Me That Great Candy. Another sour from Unbranded, 6.1%. Supposed to be like a sour soda. 4.2 out of 5 on Untapped. The thing about this that got me is it literally tasted like grape Kool-Aid with booze. It's only 6.1%, but it tasted like it was 10%. It was very, very boozy. It was almost like a grape Kool-Aid or a grape Jello shot, you know, that had like straight vodka in the shot. And I don't know why, but it was really boozy. But it, but the booziness didn't bother me really because it was, it was such a, the grape Kool-Aid flavor was so prominent that it kind of like masked the booziness and I was able to deal with it. So rated a 4.2 out of five on untapped. <clears throat> Loved it. Last one on the day was Space Grass from Angry Chair. <clears throat> the only guest tap that I had for the day. 6.7% American IPA, 4.3 out of five on untapped. And uh, delicious, light, smooth, grassy, clean, sweet, and slightly resiny. Loved it. <clears throat> Excuse me, God, I apologize for keep clearing my damn throat. Um, just, a lot of resin um that like grass clipping taste is something that some people can't stand i happen to like it a lot and uh it gives the it gives the the beer some earthiness and i just enjoyed it overall then i made a trip over to on saturday i hit up um a new place over by my house well a new place for me not new in general called gypsy vaping brews and i had a stone 25th anniversary triple ipa so 12.5 percent triple west coast style ipa Rated at a 4.0 out of 5. Classic bitter, solid IPA. Strong, slightly malty, mildly sweet on the back end, boozy and delicious. 
So it was an easy drinker. Sorry, a little more beer. Um, especially at a 12.5 percenter. I ended up having three of those. <laughs> and um, I ended up having a float, chocolate float that was made out of a funky Buddha stout. I think it's called Weathered, no, not Weathered Souls, that's a brewery. Crap, I can't remember the name of it. I have to think and let you guys know later on. I didn't actually review it because I didn't really have the beer without um, ice cream in it, but uh, it was good. <clears throat> then uh, we break into the brews from King Fox. So I got a Crowler of NBD, which is a collab between King Fox and Lincoln's Beard. It's an 8.7% double new england ipa rated a 4.3 out of 5 the color was insane it was like a straight mango in the bottle almost i mean literally the same color as this peach sour that i'm drinking right now and citrus four with a nice smooth mango finish slightly boozy but not overwhelming lightly tropical deep color is all mango and it is i mean i'm holding my peach up to this and actually the nbd was a little bit darker than the peach but <clears throat> i enjoyed it a lot I did not finish the entire Crowler, and that is not a dig on King Fox. Just couldn't do it. And unfortunately, when it comes to Crowler, it's not like you can close them back down and save them for later. So I had to dump it, but I did finish an entire glass. Then we go to La Gargola, which was the four pack of triple IPAs that I brought home from Unbranded. Probably past its prime. Um, it was a little on the stale side. Uh, malt forward, boozy, dry, hoppy, slightly stale. Rated a 3.6 out of 5 on untapped, 10% triple. Um, yeah, just it tasted to me like it was past its prime. Now, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think I am. I think it genuinely was, uh, it's time for that one to um, move on. <laughs> then we get into another hot butcher hot butcher for the world ocean key this one's a double uh milkshake ipa 7.5 percent rated a 4.2 out of 5 one untapped this is a key lime um pineapple milkshake ipa so it's key lime hit with a light pineapple finish and a vanilla back note that lingers wasn't sure i'd like it but it works love how hot butcher does this weird stuff from time to time that just blends so well was definitely good like i'm not even gonna bullshit like the overall rating is 4.18 there's a reason for that and it's actually a damn good brew and the flavors just work really really well next on the list of the can release that king fox brewing did this weekend past weekend i got diamond girl which is a collab between king fox and their side project called the junk Daddy. And this is a German Pilsner, 6.5%, rated a 4.0 out of 5 on tap. I'm not a huge Pilsner person, but it's a very easy drinking beer. And one of the coolest things about this thing is that they had, they loaded the cans or the beer up with edible glitter. So it gives it like a mother of pearl, you know, style look in the glass. And it's just really, it's just kind of a cool experience. Something that, you know, most people who are just beer fans with a good beer, 
the ex- a lot of times it's about experience and the experience made all the difference. Very nice, easy drinking Pilsner with a cool glitter surprise. Looks like Pearl floating around in the glass. Got to give it to them for both experience and a great beer. I enjoyed it. I think you would enjoy it too. And I'm going to share a couple cans of that with some buddies of mine around the country. Next one is called Lemmy Vanilla from King Fox. It's a fruited sour. It's lemon and vanilla. 4.1 out of 5 on untapped. Again, sour. This is a sour beer. It makes you pucker when you drink it, which is what it should do. Sour lemon with a light hint of creamy vanilla. Definitely enjoy the sour aspect as many breweries tend to take the sour too sweet. And this is perfect. I enjoyed it. The only thing that could have made it a little bit better, in my opinion, would have been a little bit more vanilla just to give it a little bit more of a... Give it a little bit more of a balance. It was a little too lemon only. Um, The vanilla was very, very subtle on the back end, but I really enjoyed it. And I think you would enjoy it too. It did tend to burn my throat a little bit. Um, But that's, I mean, it's a a very citrus forward sour. So it's going to do that a little bit. Citric acid is, can be rough. So next one, damn, I got a lot of beers to go through since the last time I did this shit. And that just means because we did the on-site show last week, we didn't get to go through all the beers from the previous week. So this one is called Nice Fiddle. It's an Imperial Double New England IPA from Monkish Brewing in Cali, 8.5% ABV, 2.5 out of 5 on Untapped. Finding it harder and harder to distinguish between Monkish beers lately, this was just meh for me. And I know this is a very common theme when it comes to Monkish in general, right? I think a lot of people have gone through the same thing right they buy a lot of people have monkish all the time or have monkish you know frequently you get to a point where you start there's like a law of diminishing returns right where it just it gets to the point where the only difference is the alcohol content right you'll crack one open i literally took four cans and i won't tell you which ones they are because i'm not going to call them out this you know toughly on the podcast because I do enjoy and have always enjoyed monkish beers. I wish they would do some more unique stuff and maybe get back to some more West Coast because I've always enjoyed their West Coast IPAs. It would be great to see them do some sours and stuff like that, but it's just not, I guess, in their wheelhouse. But um, but I lined up four and I lined them up from 8.5 to 10.5. And they were basically two were 8.5s. I had one that was a 10.0 and then one that was 10.5. And I promise you, all four beers tasted exactly the same with the exception of the fact that you could tell that the 10 and 10.5 were higher alcohol than the 8.5. But the flavor was almost exactly the same. It's almost like they're brewing the same beer over and over again and just increasing the alcohol content. And that's the only difference they're making when they're putting them out. And I... I, I won't be buying them for a while. <laughs> um, and I mean, I love Drew to death, my buddy that sends me that stuff. And he, you know, he's he's got fans and people that love Monkish. And that's the reason why he does what he does. And I will never take anything away from his hard work and him waiting in line and him doing what he does to get us these beers and sending them to us at cost. It's unbelievable what he does. But I'll be paying more attention to the likes of Green Cheek and things like that that are breweries that I you know, genuinely can say are putting out fucking heat bangers left and right. And, uh, 
I'll be picking on him for stuff like that and staying off the monkish train for a while. So last Thursday, I had a little bit of a surprise where my wife was actually working next door to a brewery called Dangerous Minds Brewing Company. Now, Dangerous Minds is something that I've wanted to go to for a while. I've yet to have any of their beers. I've seen, you know, a few things, a few people post about some stuff, you know, over the years or over the last year at least. And um, she was going by. She's like, I'll get you a crowler. So I'm not going to get you anything else. They didn't have any like four packs or cans. They only do crowlers of what they had on tap. I actually wanted a different beer um, that I can't think of off the top of my head. And let me see if it's still in my search history here. Um, yeah, I wanted Elias A, which was a New England style IPA, 7.5%, I believe. And the guy who was serving her actually said that he did not recommend that one. He would go with a Stein of Ein, which is their American IPA at 6.3%. And I can't say whether he did me a solid or not, because I don't, I obviously, I obviously didn't get a chance to try the Elias A. But a Stein of Ein was fucking fantastic. 4.2 out of 5 on untapped. Fantastic IPA, lots of citrus with a nice hoppy bitterness, crisp, clean, slight pine, and a dank finish. I drank the entire Kremlin, right? Says a lot, especially right now because I just have not been in the state of mind recently to drink, you know, an entire Crowler. And I pounded that bad boy. And it was absolutely fantastic. Then the last one on the list, oh, from Low Junctory and King Fox. A little side project. This is a 10% stout, and it is a stout with Oreo, vanilla, marshmallows, and it does not contain lactose. So I rated this bad boy a 4.5 out of 5 on untapped. Light Oreo flavor with a hint of chocolate and a light sweetness. Very well balanced, not too heavy or overly carbonated. Let it warm, please. Fucking incredible. Loved it. Fantastic stout. Did not upset my stomach. Did not make me sick. Very easy to drink. You know, as it warmed, it got slightly boozier. I, I know with this particular one, the flavor became more prominent in probably the 50 to 60 degree range, which I think is the sweet spot for this beer. Once it got above 60 degrees, the booze started kind of coming through a little bit more. So I would aim for that 50 to 60 degree spot to, uh, to consume it. Um, obviously you take it out of the fridge, you know, depending on your fridge, mine's, you know, probably anywhere from like 37 degrees, um, somewhere around there. So 37 to 50 is still a little too cold. 50 to 60 is perfect. Anything above 60, you're going to get more booze than anything. So I would definitely, uh, try to consume it from that 50 to 60 degree mark, but fantastic. Really, really loved it. The guys over at King Fox. A la La Dunkery la are killing it. And now that I know they're 13 minutes from my house, I will be frequenting them a lot more. So now that we got some of the beer stuff behind us, let's talk a little bit about. Uh, I got some questions, right? Let's talk a little bit about this. So I got some questions, got some people, some haters that, uh, we're like, how can you be a Christian and 
have this podcast, have the thoughts that you have, curse, drink beer, blah, 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 blah. So let me first explain something. The first and foremost thing that you need to understand about anybody who is a Christian is that the concept and or the identifying factor that makes somebody a Christian is their belief that Jesus Christ was born, died, rose again for our sins, and that we've accepted the fact that he is our Lord and Savior. By no means does being a Christian mean you're perfect. By no means does being a Christian mean that you do not sin. By no means does being a Christian mean that you don't make mistakes. And I'm not saying that I that I believe drinking beer is a mistake. You know, my mouth, yeah, it could be better. And that's something that I have worked on. And it's really weird because I know for a fact that I could probably turn it off because I turn it off at church. I turn it off in front of kids 99% of the time. But for some reason, when I get on here and I start spouting off, you know, the F-bombs just come out and it's just kind of something that's always been, uh, you know, been kind of a, a part of who I am and I don't know, just the way I communicate. And a lot of people don't, be, don't believe in that. And I would, I go back to people like Tony Robbins, you know, Tony Robbins talks about how he uses foul language as a means to shock people. And I've even had my pastor tell me that that's invalid. <laughs> but it is what it is. And, you know, it's something that I have to work on, right? I mean, do I think my thought process is this? Do I ultimately think that when I get to heaven that Jesus is going to go, man, you were a potty mouth son of a bitch your entire life. You, you're going to hell. No, I don't. And, you know, we're, we're taught that once you accept Jesus Christ as your savior, you're saved no matter what. And that even if you make mistakes, even if you fall away from the Lord, that your acceptance of him is eternal and that, you know, one cannot fall away from the Lord in terms of being eligible for heaven and, and such. So we could get into a deeper discussion about that, but it's, it amazes me. I actually had a conversation with a guy the other day that, uh, sorry, finish that beer. That was an atheist and I don't get it. Right. Um, the same way I talked about on the previous show to this, I don't understand, you know, how men can find other men attractive. I don't understand how women can find men attractive, but then that's my thought process, right? That's my, that's my understanding. That's how I feel. Well, the same thing goes when it comes to like being an atheist. I don't understand it. I don't understand how someone could look around at the world. I don't understand how someone could look at the trees and the plants and the birds and the animals and the human body and everything else and go, yeah, you know what? That had to have been brought together by the Big Bang. Like Comet had to have slammed into the earth and just created man. You know, that's how, that's what it came from. Or that we evolved from monkeys and all that. You know, I mean, in the history of evolution, as far as I'm concerned and as far as I know, no species has ever evolved into another species without being itself replaced. So why would we still have monkeys on the planet if we inherently replaced monkeys? Doesn't make sense. But that's science, right? <laughs> so 
Um, but hey, at the end of the day, it is what it is. And I just wanted to kind of get into this a little bit because it's important to me that people understand that there is nothing in the Bible, in any literature, in any conversation that you would ever have that demands that Christians are perfect. We make mistakes. We screw up. We have vices. We have, we commit sins every day. And that's the nature of being human, right? I mean, it's the nature of being a person is to make mistakes and to, to, to strive towards being better every day, right? So I do this show as a means of release for me, right? I do this show as a means of venting. I do this show as a means of sharing what I believe to be valuable information with certain people. Not everybody believes it to be valuable. I get that. It's perfectly fine. You don't have to like my show. You don't have to listen to my show. It is what it is. I get it. Um, but I know it's helping somebody. And that's and I know that for a fact. And that's the reason why I continue to do the show. It's the reason why I enjoy doing it. And it's the reason why I keep going down these rabbit holes and talking about things like Christianity and beer and men's health and politics and blah, 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 blah. So I'm not going to, I'm going to stay off the political spectrum, you know, for this show. And I'm going to give it another week to simmer. <laughs> but, um, but I'm going to talk about some men's, men's health stuff, right? Now, I had somebody ask me the other day, you know, how, and this is an honest question, right? Somebody said, well, I said, you know, I never... I told myself I would never let myself get that big again because I, my heaviest in March of 2021 was 387 pounds. I'm currently 278, so I've officially lost 109 pounds, which I had didn't even think about until I actually went back and looked at my notes from March when I was in the hospital and saw how heavy I was in the beginning of March <clears throat> because from March 3rd, to the March 31st when I was in the hospital, I actually lost like 18 pounds. And I think it was because I was, I had backed, uh, or 16 pounds. I had backed up, um, I had backed up. I had slowed down on the beer, which is insane to think that in like three weeks, I lost 16 pounds just by like chilling out on beer. But it's, you know, I had a ton of weight to lose. I had, uh, I don't think, I wasn't doing anything else that I can remember just watching my food and backing up on the beer. Forgive me again. Still have a little bit of a sniffle from allergies and this little like pain in the ass cold that's been going around. And no, it's not COVID. I got tested just in case because it prolonged a little bit on me and I got nervous. So um, just in case I didn't spread it. So I didn't go to church or anything like that and spread it to anybody else. I went and got tested and I am negative. So um, not that the test matters. All right, shut up. So somebody asked me, well, if you had told yourself before you were never going to let yourself get that big, how did you let it happen again? It's not an easy question, you know, because depression and anxiety are a bitch, right? And I'm not going to blame anybody else for my decisions and the things that I did or the decisions, you know, the decisions that I made, the actions that I took or the lack of action that I took. But when I was fucked up and my back was just wasted, I was, I had, I was in a situation where I had such a lack of motivation because of a lot of factors. I was not happy in my job. 
I was not happy with, you know, myself. I wasn't happy with <clears throat> my mobility. I wasn't, I was always in pain, you know, and I am, I could have drowned myself in alcohol. I could have, I could have, I could have had pain pills out the wazoo. I could have went to urgent care like every other day and gotten a prescription of friggin' Percocets or whatever I wanted. And I never did. Like I turned it down. I had one prescription that they gave me of Tylenol 3s, Tylenol 3 with codeine that my pain doctor gave me. And he gave me seven pills. And it did nothing. Did I take all seven? At that point, I was in so much pain that yes, I took all seven, but it but it did nothing. Like I it would I would take one before bed and it would literally last about an hour and I would fall asleep and then I would wake up in tremendous pain and start moving around the house again and go from the couch to the chair to the bed to the couch to the chair to the bed. I was at the point where I was falling asleep every day during the day. I was at the point that I just didn't I had no ambition, no drive, no determination, no care anymore. I wasn't trying to improve myself. I wasn't trying to do anything, really. I was literally just trying to exist and do the bare minimum of what I could every day. And it was not a good place, right? I thought daily about how the world would be better without me. Thought daily about how I would, you know, that I would be, it would be easier if I, if I wasn't a burden on everybody else. Not saying necessarily that I had suicidal thoughts, but I definitely thought to myself that the world would be better without me because at this point I'm just a leech on society and that I wasn't actually providing anything. I was only consuming, right? Be it food, air, water, a job. I thought to myself a lot of times that there's somebody out there that could be doing a hell of a lot better job of what I'm doing right now than I am because I'm just getting by on doing the bare minimum. And that's true and not true, right? Because I was doing what was required of me, but I wasn't doing anything above and beyond. So I was doing my job, but I wasn't excelling in my job. And... You know, in, in June, well, in, in May, when they told me that I was going to get the injections, I was so excited, right? I was like, all right, man, hopefully this is going to give me some relief. I'm going to be good. I'm going to be able to, like, you know, move forward and not, you know, not have any issues. And I'll be able to work out again. I'll be able to lose weight. I'll be able to, I mean, all this stuff flashed in my head. And I was super excited about what the future held. And, uh... Got the injections, miserable fucking process, which we've already talked about. And I truth be told, when I got home that day, I went from being excited about being in less pain and being able to walk and not and you know feeling sturdy and not feeling wobbly and gross. I went, I went and laid down. And my thought process immediately changed from being happy that I felt better to, damn, now I actually have to do something about this. And I, and I immediately began to dread 
the coming weeks, months, because I knew that now I don't have an excuse. Now I have to put the work in. Now I have to make the sacrifice in order to get my health back. And there's no more excuses as to why I can't do that. And it panicked me for a second, right? I literally was sitting on the edge of my cat on my bed and a panic came over me. I was like, how am I gonna do this? I'm so fat, I'm so overweight, I'm so out of shape, I'm so uncomfortable. I can barely put my shoes on. Like what's why? Like why even bother? Right? And I just it broke me for a second, right? Because all I could see was the road ahead and not the road behind. I laid down, I slept for 14 hours. It was the first time in months that I can remember that I slept without pain. And it was incredible. I woke up refreshed. I woke up feeling like I had been in a hyperbaric chamber for, you know, 24 hours. And it was just like, holy shit. But I also woke up in a ton of pain. And the pain was not my usual pain. It was the pain at the injection sites and at my back. I could literally feel like the path that the needle took on each spot where they injected me. And it was just fucking miserable, right? And this was, I got the injections on the 7th of June, right? Might have been the, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the 7th of June. Um, I think it was the first Monday in June. Hold on a second. I'm going to go back and look because I just want to, yep, first Monday in June, so it was the 7th. On the 8th, <clears throat> that morning, or the morning of the 8th, the next day when I woke up, I took some ibuprofen and I said, I'm going to go to the gym. So I went to the gym and I just did cardio that day. I just rode the bike. Right? They have a recumbent bike. I sat on the bike. I rode it for 30 minutes, got up, went back, went back home. On the 9th, I woke up in a little less pain. Feeling a little bit better. Went to the gym. Rode the bike for 30 minutes. Went back home. I woke up the morning of the 10th. I looked in the mirror. And I just got angry. All I saw was failure. Right? All, All I saw was how much I detested myself, how much I had let my family down, how much I had left my, let myself down, how much I had let previous coaches down, previous teammates down, like everybody that would have looked at me and said, man, like what happened to you? My daughters. I just... I was disgusted. And I told myself that day, I was like, you're worthless. You're a fat piece of shit. You're lucky that your wife still loves you and puts up with you. You're lucky that your kids are not embarrassed by you. And I beat myself up for about an hour. I remember sitting in my chair on my phone and just thinking in my head you're a piece of shit 
you're worthless. You couldn't even defend your family if somebody came after them right now. You couldn't even, you can't even run away if somebody tried to come hurt you or your kids or you would literally just lay there and die. I just, I was so hard on myself, right? Like just angry. And I didn't do anything that day. I actually skipped the gym because I was a little bit sore. And, you know, I just, I was like, this is, this is not, you know, I, I don't know. It just wasn't a productive day. And uh, <clears throat> I woke up the 11th and I looked in the mirror and I was like, I forgive you. And I forgave myself for... I treated myself the day before, right? And I think sometimes a lot of people laugh about stuff like this, but I think sometimes forgiving ourselves is one of the hardest things to possibly do because we don't think we deserve forgiveness, right? We don't think we deserve to be forgiven for the mistakes that we've made. And I told myself that day, I was like, it's not going to happen anymore and that was the first day that I went to the gym and actually lifted weights and did you know machines a simple simple workout and then rode the bike for that I actually did a 10 minute warm-up on the bike did a workout for about a half an hour and then I did 30 minutes on the bike at the end and I continued to do that every day until the 22nd so for 11 days straight from the 11th to the 22nd and I lost about I think it was like anywhere between 18 and 20 pounds like I most of it I know was water wave because I've been really really swollen prior to the injections and stuff like that because of all the inflammation and then the 23rd is the day that I woke up and I looked in the mirror and I told myself I was just going to do 75 hard and I jumped right on 75 hard that day but the reason why I'm telling you guys about this is because I know there's somebody out there right now that's looking in the mirror and is disgusted at what they see and is frustrated with themselves because they feel like they've let themselves and their family and people that love them down over and over again. And you're at that point right now where you're questioning if you're worth it. And I'm here to tell you right now that you're, you're worth it. You are absolutely worth it. You're worth every step, every drop of sweat, every tear, every sore muscle, every fucking headache, every hunger pang, every rep, every set, every fucking motivational video you watch on YouTube, you are worth every ounce of anything you can possibly put towards yourself because there are people on this planet right now that love you to death and couldn't live without you and they need you. And if that's what it takes to get you off your ass and into the gym or eating better or cutting back on beer or, you know, going for a walk or riding your fucking bike or going for a swim every day, whatever the case may be to help you take your life back a little bit at a time. That's what I'm going to, that's what I'm here for. You know, and that's what we're going to work on. And that's what you're going to do. And I don't know who you are. You know, you could be somebody who maybe tried 75 hard. Maybe you tried and you failed. Maybe you tried it and you realized it was too hard for you and you backed off. Maybe there's another option for you right now. Maybe you can just cut back on alcohol and, you know, and eat healthier meals Monday through Friday and give yourself a little bit of off time on the weekends, but, you know, walk or jog or hike or swim, you know, whatever the case may be. And but just making cognitive changes in your 
daily life is what's most important, right? Because at the end of the day, putting one foot in front of the other, in front of the other, and making that, taking those steps forward to initiate change in your life is the only way that anything is going to happen, right? You can't, you can't change if you're sitting on the couch and eating a bag of chips every day. You can't change if you live in the McDonald's drive-thru. You can't change if every time an opportunity presents itself for you to be active, you turn it down and turn the TV on or sit in front of the computer or play video games or you're always on your phone or whatever the case may be. I've made it a point at this point in my life that every day I try to do something that's outside my my norm. You know, whether it be wash the car, pressure wash the house, do the yard, you know, um, organize something in the garage, do cardio, work out, you know, whatever. I try to do something every day that requires more movement than just sitting in one spot. And it's working, you know? I'm 107 pounds down, you know, 109 pounds down from my heaviest weight this year. And I have something to be proud of. Do I still look in the mirror from time to time and I'm disgusted at what I see? Yeah. Still have loose fucking skin on the bottom of my stomach that I tuck in my pants. I still have a fucking patch of fat in my uh, little pooch like right above my fucking crotch that is embarrassing. I still have, you know, love handles and fucking man titty boobs on the side and you know I still have a lot of shit I still have a lot more I have a lot more fat to lose than I than I did when I was younger so obviously I've lost a lot more muscle throughout this whole process of getting older and COVID and being hurt and not being active and whatever else but I'm 109 pounds down right and uh might have another 50 pounds-ish that I want to lose, but 40-ish pounds, I hope not, 50, yeah, about 50, 48. And who knows, when I get there, it might not, because I'm not really looking for a number, I'm looking for a box. I'm looking for a visual representation of what I want. And if I'm there at 240, I'll be 240. If I'm there at 230, I'll be 230. If I'm not there till 215, I'll be there at 215. You know, but I have a visual representation of what I want from myself in my head, and that's the goal. And it doesn't matter what the scale says. What matters is what is under my shirt when I when I go to the beach or when I go to the pool and what I want to live lifelike moving forward, you know? And I'm just here to encourage you guys and girls, you know? I mean, those of you that are out there, do we live this lifestyle where beer is calories, right? And I love seeing you guys that post on uh, Instagram and social media, the sweat checks, earn your beer. I love that. And the reason why I love it is because it promotes a, a, lifestyle, a lifestyle of balance, right? Or it promotes a lifestyle where we can still enjoy and indulge in the things that we have fun with and care about, like beer and sweets and wings. <laughs> but when we focus predominantly on taking care of our bodies doing the right thing, then in the end, it does balance out. You know, there's a lot of people out there that will tell you you can't out-train a bad diet. I beg to differ. Tell that to somebody who's working out three hours a day and burning 3,000 calories a day, consuming 2,500 six days a week, but then getting a cheat meal on their seventh day 
and maybe having a couple beers, I guarantee you that person is losing weight. You know why I guarantee you? Because I am that person. You know, a normal day for me is probably around 25 to 2700 calories. A weekend day for me might be 3,500, depending on how many beers I have. And I'm still losing weight. And there will be a point when that number has to decrease because it's the law of diminishing returns. As I get lighter, my overall caloric expenditure is going to be less and I'm going to have to eat less calories when I get that. But at uh, the time when that time comes, I'll make the adjustment, right? But if you're out there right now and you're having, you're looking in the mirror while you're listening to this show, maybe, and you're going, damn, man, I got some pounds to lose. I got, I want to be able to walk my daughter down the aisle. I want to be able to, you know, dance with my sister, with my new daughter-in-law and my son's wedding. You know, I want to be able to see my grandbabies grow up. I want to, you know, be at their graduation. I want to walk my granddaughter down the aisle. You know, whatever. Whatever the case may be. And you've got to make the conscious effort to make that change and do it. And it's got to be something that comes from your heart, not anybody else's. You can't be, no matter how hard somebody else tries, nobody can push you to change the way you can push yourself to change. I don't care if it's your wife. I don't care if it's your kids. I don't care if it's your girlfriend, boyfriend aunt, uncle, husband, it doesn't matter. Motivation that's pushed on you from somebody else to try to change something you don't really want to change is ultimately going to lead to failure. You've got to be the one that wants to change it. And I can be tell you that firsthand because I've been there, I've done that, and unless you want to change, you're not going to change. I definitely encourage some of you guys out there who may be booze hounds or maybe a little bit on the alcoholic side or maybe having some issues that can use a break from some booze, check out 75 Heart. It is not a program for everybody, but it's definitely a program that will help assist certain people in certain situations with improving their life altogether. And I'm not saying you have to give up beer for the rest of your life, but if you give it up for 75 days, it sure, sure as hell is not going to kill you. It didn't kill me. And I'm now back to enjoying it on in, in moderation and still losing weight because I'm making sure that my training and my overall nutrition are a focus. So stop putting yourself down. Stop telling yourself you're not good enough. Stop looking in the mirror and saying you'll do it tomorrow. Do that shit today. Make it happen. And if you need me, I'm a DM away. Shoot me a DM. Ask me for advice. Ask me for help. I'll be more than happy to talk with you on the phone, chat with you, whatever the case may be, and help in any way that I possibly can. Despite all this shit and being a fat ass, I've been a personal trainer and coach for 22 years. I have all the knowledge, (laughs) but I also happen to love food and beer a little too much. So that's where the difficulty lies. But stop fucking around and take your life back. Until next week. My name is Luke. This is calling all craft beer. Later.